Every now and then I like to remind us of what our church is all about, what our purpose is, what our mission is, what our strategy is in developing fully functioning followers of Christ. Our our purpose statement is simply this. We believe a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission will grow a great church. And by the way, it grows great people. Our mission is that we join people seeking purpose and we offer life through Jesus Christ. We join them, we don't push them, we don't pull them, we walk alongside of them, helping them and discerning where they're at and what their purpose is in life. And obviously, all purposes are found and fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Our strategy is simple. We, it's represented in the track. We, we bring people in where we celebrate the presence of God. We move them from celebrating into their first step of committing their life to Christ and be committing themselves to a church, to the bride of Christ. Last weekend, I think we had, I don't know, 23 people join the church. This, yeah, give it up. In a few weeks, we're gonna be offering steps two and steps three, and, or two, three, and four. But from there, we, bring, we, we, we move them into connecting, connecting with Christ, giving them some tools, like how to pray. A lot of people ask me that all the time. George, how do you pray? Well, let me give you some tools about that. You know, how do you meditate? Well, let me give you some things uh, that you can, out of scripture, that you can use to meditate. There, there's a class, it's a step. It's not to be transactional, but rather to be transformational. And then there's step three, which is all about you discovering who God made you to be, and you being content, like Paul, who said, by the grace of God, I am who I am. You and I need to get to that place. And as we are, then we begin to employ who we are in the church and outside the walls of the church, and that's where step four comes in, where we talk about our stories to those in our relational world, giving them opportunities to be in relationship with their creator. Now, when I travel the world over, folks, I have all kinds of thoughts. It's hard for me to contain them all, to be honest with you. When I get asked to sit in in a TV station with an Oprah-type person, George, we want you to share with them the peace plan. I'm thinking, well, what part of the peace plan? I don't have the slightest. I mean, there's so much I'd like to communicate. But one of the things that, that I think of when I travel the world over is, God, you sure have created a lot of different people. Now, you don't have to travel the world over to know that people are different from you. In fact, turn to the person next to you and say, you know what? You look different. One of the things that I have recognized that God loves variety. God has made, God has never made anything the same. Every tree, every plant, every animal, every human being, folks, is different. God loves variety. Did you know that in one cubic inch of snow that there are 18 million snowflakes and all of them are different? This is what I call creative uh, overkill, okay? 
Now, God could have made each and every one of us alike. No ifs, ands, buts about that. He could have put us on a conveyor system and just cranked us out, stamped us out, all being the same. So why didn't he? Because originals are always worth more than copies. And God wanted to communicate to you, you are valuable. The Father made you, Jesus Christ died for you, and the Holy Spirit lives in you. Folks, that's how much you're worth to God. In Genesis chapter 2, it says this, God shaped man from the soil of the ground and blew the breath of life into his nostrils, and man became a living being. Will you circle, circle the word shaped? This word is used throughout the Bible. God says, I shaped you. And you are different from everyone else. And I'm the one that did this. Take a look at Psalms 139. You made my whole being. You formed me in my mother's body. I praise you because you made me in an amazing and wonderful way. You saw my bones being formed as I took shape in my mother's body. When I was put together there, you saw my body as it was formed. All the days planned for me were written in your book before I was one day old. Will you circle the words made, formed, saw, shaped, the phrase put together and planned. And notice who did it. God did it. Folks, this is why abortion is wrong. Abortion short circuits a human being who has been planned by God from eternity past. You, you've heard me say this before, that there is no such thing as an illegitimate kid. There may be illegitimate parents, okay? But there's no such thing as an illegitimate kid. There's no such thing as an accidental kid. There may be accidental parents, okay? That happens sometimes. But there's no such thing as an accidental kid. God planned you. You are not an accident. Take a look at Job chapter 10 and verse 8. Your hands formed and shaped me. Do you know that you are handmade by God? God was intimately involved with every detail of your life. What does that mean? It means that you're not an accident. Every detail, folks, he chose it. And after he made you, he broke the mold. And when people think of that about me, they say, praise the Lord, okay? We only need one of you, Pastor George. You can go all around the world, and you will not find a single person who has the same thumbprint, the same voice print, the same eye print, the same footprint. You're never going to find anybody who has the same passions and experiences and the combination of those things as you. You are unique. Why did God go to all that trouble? Because he wanted you to be an original. And originals are worth more than copies. Now the problem in our culture is this. Most people don't like the way they are. They don't accept the way they are. They always are wishing that they were something else. I wish I was thinner. I, I, I wish I looked more like Pastor George. 
I wish I was taller. I wish I was bigger. I wish I had brown hair. I wish I had blonde hair. No, nah, no one ever wishes that, okay? <laughs> Just kidding. No notes, okay? When you and I do those kinds of things, when we think those kinds of thoughts, do you know what happens? It creates all kinds of inner turmoil within us. And when you and I don't like one another, we will try to be someone else. Oh, how I wish I were like Brad Pitt. Oh, how I wish I was like Angelina Jolene or whatever. And so when you and I do that, what God has intended to be an original that has all this value, we become co carbon copies of other people. Now, I want you to take this in the right vein because this is a core value of mine. And I want to be honest with you. If you're not going to be you, we don't need you here at LifePoint Church because obviously there's already someone that you're trying to be. Does that make sense? Only you can be you. And at LifePoint, we want you to be you. God made you. He shaped you, or he designed you, and he shaped you. Your shape is the way God wired you for life. And every area of your life is influenced by your shape. Your shape determines the classes you ought to focus on when you go to school. Your shape de determines the kind of friends that you ought to have. Your shape really should determine the, the person that you marry. Your shape uh, determines the temptations that you're going to have in life. Your shape determines the things that you are frustrated with. It, it determines the best career for you. It, it will determine how you really connect with God. And so today, as we start a new series, honestly, about maturity, about helping you to be confident in who God has made you to be, I want us to ask ourselves three questions. What's my shape? Why should I care? And how should I respond? What's my shape? Well, shape is an acrostic that stands for your God-given design. S in shape stands for your spiritual gift. When you accept Jesus Christ in your heart, when you drop him from your head into your heart, God gives you a birthday gift. It's a spiritual gift. And the New Testament tells us that there are 20 or over 20 spiritual gifts. I don't happen to believe that that they're limited to those 20 plus. I think there are more. But there are 20 mentioned in the New Testament. H in shape stands for your heart or your passions. The, the, these are the things that excite you. These are the things that put a quiver in your liver. The fact is there are some things that, that you get excited about and there are other things that bore you stiff. Hopefully not this message. What... What are your passions in life? We're gonna unlock that in this series. I don't want you to miss the series because each one of these messages is packed. A in shape stands 
for your abilities. You have natural abilities that God gave you when you were born. Studies have been done that the average person has five to 700 different abilities. And guess what? God wants you to use those in the church. P in shape stands for personality. This is where you look at how God has wired you. I'm sure we're all familiar with different, I don't know, personality tests out there. But basically, there are four personality types and a combination of them. Some of us are competitive. Others of us are cooperative. Some of us are extroverts. I'm kind of the shy type. Some of us are introverts. Some of us are self-expressive. Some of us are more self-controlled. Some of us love variety, and others of us love routine. None of those are right, and none of those are wrong. They're just different, and we're all wired differently. How has God wired you? E in shape stands for your experiences. And we all have all kinds of different experiences. And guess what? God doesn't want you to waste your experiences in life. You may have had some past experiences and they are being a roadblock to you. God would say this, I want you to work those things through. And I want you to use them for my glory and for the good of others. I have this shirt on. Become a Stephen minister. These are people who have kind of worked through different things in their life and are sharing because they're caring and listening people to help those people on their journey. Can I encourage you? Some of you, you're shaped for this ministry. It is one of our key ministries. We, we, we train other ministers from other churches. They come to our church to be trained because we've got a great training program on how to care for other people. Can I encourage you? Think about these five things. These five things make you, you. And I want you to give yourself permission to say to yourself, I am a masterpiece by God. I want to give you permission to say to your neighbor, not only are you different, but tell them, right now, just tell them, you are a masterpiece designed by God. Go for it, right now, okay? Chris, you're a masterpiece designed by God. You're all so different, okay? Just want you to know that. But you're a masterpiece designed by God. You like that, don't you? Yeah. You want to know why we like that? Because we're not told that much in our culture. Not only that, we have our own internal battles. We are not content with who we are. And until we grab hold of that concept of being content and who God made us to be, we will not be effective tools in the hands of God in reaching our kids, in reaching this community, in reaching our workplace. So why should we care? 
We know what our shape is, and we're going to unfold that over the next five weeks. But why should we care? Well, folks, we ought to care for a lot of different reasons. This morning, I just want to give you four as we launch truly this maturity series. The first reason is this. It's because my shape reveals God's purpose for my life. The way you find out what God wants you to do with your life is you discover how God has shaped you. The better you understand how God has shaped you, the more you'll understand God's will for you. Architects say it like this. Form follows function. You tell me what you want the building to be used for, and I will tell you how to build it, how to form it. If you tell me that it's going to be a cafeteria, I will build it one way. If you tell me that it's going to be a, uh, a school, I will build it another way. If you tell me it's going to be a church, I'll build it a different way. Form follows function. With human beings, however, it is the exact opposite. Function follows form. In other words, you figure out how you were built, your function or your form, and then you will know what God's will is for your life, your function. Now understand this. God will not give you a shape. He will not give you gifts, talents, abilities, personality, and experiences in life in one area and then come along and say to you, by the way, I don't want you to use those in that area. I want you to focus your life on those things that you are really poor at. God's not going to do that. He isn't going to waste what he has created you to be what he has formed you to be. Folks, if you are good at something, it is a pretty good indicator that this is what God wants you to do. So knowing how you are shaped, your form, okay, will give you the direction for your life, your function. This is extremely important in your maturity, in, in your journey in life. We see God saying this to Jeremiah. Take a look at Jeremiah chapter one, verse five. Before I shaped you, will you circle that word shaped? Before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you, a spokesman to the nations. That's what I had in mind for you, will you circle the phrase holy plans? God had holy plans for Jeremiah before he popped out of his mommy's tummy. And God has holy plans for you that he established before the foundations of the world. He had them for you before you even popped out of your mommy's tummy. He decided in advance what he wanted you to do with your life. Now here is the deal. God won't force you to do his plan. If you want to waste your life, guess what? You can. If you want to live a 
a, a selfish life and just do whatever you want to do with your life, guess what? You can't. God's not going to force you. And in fact, most people do. And that is why they are lonely and worried and frustrated and depressed and feel unfulfilled because they're just doing their own thing, trying to be someone that they're not. God says, before you were born, I had holy plans for your life. The second reason why you and I ought to care is that our shape equips us to serve God. Now we see this in Isaiah's life. Take a look at Isaiah 49, verse five. God, that is, God formed me in my mother's womb to be his servant. Will you circle that phrase? And he commissioned me. God says, I shaped you to serve. I made you for a mission. And you and I have a life mission in this world, a specific mission that God wants us to fulfill. Now, at this stage in your life, guess what? You may have not fulfilled that yet. You, have, you may have missed God's mission for your life. You may have missed serving God for the reason that he created you. I say this, start today. Start today to be confident in who God made you to be. Make the rest of your life the best of your life. But Pastor George, I've blown it. I've made all kinds of mistakes. I have all kinds of flops, failures, and fumbles. Well, welcome to humanity. Not once did God ever choose a perfect person to serve him other than Jesus Christ. Everyone else had flops, failures, and fumbles in their life. So what if you've blown it? Find your shape and serve God. For some of you, it may be the Stephen ministry. I'm telling you, this is, this is one of the heartbeats of Life Point Church. If it's not that next week, don't miss next week. We're going to have a blast next week with the ministry fair and all kinds of things, fun things going out in the lobby after I teach, okay? The third reason why you and I should care is because life is a test. Folks, this is a big one. Life is preparation for eternity. On this side of eternity, you and I may get 60, 70, 80, 90 years if we're lucky, but in eternity future, we will have Godzillion years. That means we're gonna live for eternity forever and ever and ever. And God comes along in advance and he says this, life is a test, okay? What you do on this side of eternity is going to determine what you do on the next side of eternity. And one day you and I are gonna stand before God and he is going to ask us two questions. He is going to hold us accountable, a lot like many of us working for somebody does. They hold us accountable to the resources that they have, uh, that they have given us, okay? And he's gonna ask you two questions. It's gonna be your final exam. And as your pastor, I want you to pass that exam. And the first question is this, what did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? 
He's not going to ask for your union card. You know what I mean by that? He's not going to ask whether you're Catholic or Baptist or Presbyterian or Lutheran or Jewish or Muslim or Hindu. No, he's not going to ask that. He's going to ask, what did you do with my son whom I sent to give you forgiveness and salvation and a place in heaven? And the answer is what? I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior in my heart. I dropped him from my head just being a thought in the culture that I live in, in the South where there's a church on every corner, into my heart. And I accepted his forgiveness and from that point forward, I, have tr- I am learning to trust him with my life. The second question is not about salvation, but rather about stewardship. And it will be, what did you do with what I I have given you? This will determine not whether you get into heaven, but it will determine what you do once you get there. It is a stewardship question. What did you do with the talents I gave you? What did you do with the gifts that I gave you, the relationships that I gave you, the education that I gave you, the wealth that I gave you, the personality, the abilities, the experiences? Did you use them for yourself as a selfish little clod? (laughs) Or did you use them for my purposes? This series is to help you prepare for eternity. God says, if you and I are faithful with a little, then one day he will give us much. Life is a test. The Bible teaches this over and over and over again. Take a look at Psalms 33, verse 14 and 15. From where he sits, God overlooks all of us on earth. He has shaped each person in turn. Now he watches everything we do. It says God is watching. Do you remember Bette Midler? That song, God is watching us? Let me sing it for you. No, I won't. I don't have the gift, okay? God is watching us from a distance. What I would have you know is that she was half right. God is watching, but not from a distance. He's up close. He is so close, he feels your breath. If you've said yes to Jesus Christ and dropped him from your head into your heart, folks, he lives inside of you. He knows every hair that you have on your head. He knows all your little birthmarks that you have all over your body. He is watching you. Why? To see what you're gonna do with your shape. If you're going to use it for God's purposes or whether you're going to use it for yourself. God says, faithful in a little, you'll be faithful in much one day. The fourth reason of why I should care about how God has shaped me is because it shows God's glory. When you use your shape It not only makes you feel good, put a smile on your face, but guess what? It puts a smile on God's face. It makes his heart grow in essence. 
It gives him a happy heart. It enlarges him, okay? Will you write this down? The glory of God is a human being fully alive. The glory of God is a human being fully alive. When God looks down from heaven and sees a guy or a gal doing what he has designed them to do, he says, that's my boy. That's my girl. It puts a smile on his face when you and I not just dropping from our head into our heart, where we are a part of the universal uh, church of Christ. But when we do what we have been created to do, being a part of a local mission, that's why you need step one, folks. You want to bring glory to God. You can't do it unless you say, you know what, I really like the bride of Christ. It's called the local church. And I want to grow and be like Christ. Step two, and I want to use my gifts and, and serve the church. Step three, and I want, to, I want to share my story with other people. Step four, uh, uh, the glory of God is seen. The glory of God is a fully, the glory of God is a human being fully alive. Anytime anything fulfills the purpose for which God created it, guess what? It brings glory to God. How does a pencil bring glory to God? By being a pencil. These are not hard questions. How does a knife bring glory to God? By being a knife. How does a screwdriver bring glory to God? By being a screwdriver. When you use a knife as a screwdriver, what happens? If your wife is around, you get your blessed assurance chewed out, okay? I've been there, okay? Well, it was just too far to go to the garage. When you use a knife as a screwdriver, what is happening? You are misusing and abusing it. What am I saying? I'm saying everything is a gift from God and it can either be used or it can be abused. Sex is a gift from God. Used properly, folks, it puts a smile on God's face. Used improperly, it dishonors God. Money is a gift from God. Used properly, it puts a smile on God's face. Used improperly, it dishonors God. Time is a gift from God. Used properly, it puts a smile on God's face. Used improperly, it dishonors God. Everything in life can be used or abused because it's all a gift from God. Pastor George, what about human beings? When people fulfill the specific purpose for which God has created them, it brings glory to God. And the glory of God is a human being who is fully alive, who has said yes to Jesus Christ.
and dropped him from their head into their heart, who is growing in Christ, who is, who is using their gifts for the, for the, for the betterment of the church, who, who, who are sharing their stories in this world. Now, folks, a lot of times we don't think that way. We think it's only the superstars that bring glory to God. It's only the Einsteins of life, the pretty people, the smart people. Guess what? You're wrong. You're dead wrong. Where is that found in Scripture? Folks, it's not. Every person has the same value before God, whether that person's a pencil or a screwdriver or a knife, okay? If you understand what I'm saying. Take a look at this, Isaiah 43, verse 7. Bring me all, will you circle that word? Bring me all the people who are mine, whom I made for my glory, those I formed and created. God made you just the way you are for his glory. Now you may be asking me, Pastor George, why are you belaboring this point? Because there are people in our culture today that promote the lie that the only important people are the smart people, are the educated people, are the talented people, the athletic people, the, the, the powerful people. And they're wrong. And these groups of people are beginning to propose questions like, are really those people who are in nursing homes that are sucking our resources, are they really that important? That person who is in a hospital, who is comatose, are they really that important? Those, that, those babies that are in that the womb who have some kind of defect, some mental defect, some physical defect, are they really that important? Folks, understand something. If we aborted every, every baby that had a defect, none of us would be here, right? Because we all have defects in our life. Not only that, who, who makes that kind of decision? What defects we keep and what defects we don't keep? Do any of us here know of families who have a learning different child? A child with a physical handicap, a, a child with a mental deficiency? Do you think those families love them any less? I don't think so. Folks, we need them in our life. We do. We need them so that we understand patience. We need them so that we learn to be less selfish. Our culture has gotten really selfish lately. We need them. My wife right now is in the learning different class teaching some of your kids. She values them. She prizes them. You are valuable. No matter who you are or what you are. Every baby, every child, every teenager, every adult, every elderly person. In fact, the Bible, do you know this? That the Bible tells us that God allows 
defects. Did you know that? He's not responsible for the mistakes that we make. And we make a lot of them, right? <laughs> Overeat, don't exercise, whatever. I mean, we make a lot. He's not responsible for those, but he is responsible for the defects because he can see what you and I can't see. And he loves them as much as he loves the Einsteins of life, as much as he loves the, uh, the, the, the smart people, the beautiful people, the talented people of life. Wrestle with this verse. Write down Exodus 41, verse 11, or Exodus 4, verse, verse 11. It says this. The Lord said, who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or, or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Folks, God made each and every one of us unique. You are an original. You are valuable. Even with all of your defects. When I was in Vietnam, there's a picture of there. Doing a world tour. In fact, Dennis and I went a, a, one and a half times around the world. We went to Vietnam. And we really wanted to plant and support, partner with the church there. Things didn't work out like we hoped. We went into this village about 30 miles outside of Ho Chi Minh City, Saigon, to a church of lepers that had to cover their bodies because of the flesh-eating bacteria. And yet, they were doing ministry in that community. They would be behind a table selling goods so that their bodies couldn't be seen because people rejected them. This church had been around for seven years, and during that time, they had raised up about $2,000 to buy land and build a church building that was gonna cost them another $14,000 on top. They did the best they could with what they had. I'll never forget that place. What about you? As I like to say, the boundaries have fallen in pleasant places. I live in America. I got great health. I got the best wife ever. I love her and I adore her. I got the greatest church ever. If I'm good, it's only because of this church. How should you and I respond? Three ways. Three ways. First, through acceptance, which means I believe that God knows best. This actually comes down to trust. Do I trust God and how he has made me, or do I not? When you and I say, you know what, I wish I was something else. I wish I had this. I wish I had that. Do you know, in essence, that is a form of rejection. It is a form of rejecting God. Take a look at this verse, Romans 9, verse 20. My friend, Paul said, I ask, who do you think you are to question God? Does the clay have the right to ask the potter why he shaped, shaped it the way he did? Of course not. You were custom designed by God. 
He, he thought about you from eternity past. Every detail, the color of your eyes, your hair, your height, your weight, everything, folks. He thought it all through. Take a look at Job 10.10. Uh, you guided my conception and formed me in the womb. Your parents chose sex, but God chose conception. He wanted you alive. The second way that you and I respond isn't just by accepting who we are and how God made us. The second way is through salvation, which means I receive God's love in my wife. This is the second response. Take a look at Psalms 119, verse 41. Let your love, God, shape, will you circle that word, my life with, will you circle this word, salvation, exactly as you promise. And folks, that salvation covers all of our flops, failures, and fumbles that God is not responsible for, that we've chosen to do ourselves. God comes along and says, you're valuable. I love you. The cross proves it. I made you. I saved you. I have a plan for your life. I have a home in heaven for you. I just want you to follow me now and employ who you are in the church. The third thing that we focus in on is uh, the third thing, yeah, that we are responsible for is that we refocus, okay? And what that means is that you develop what's on the inside of you. Rather than putting all the focus on the outside, you put the focus on the inside. I don't think any of us here would disagree with the fact that our society is obsessed with the external. We, we pay billions of dollars for the external, and yet we pay very little attention to the internal. Notice, Samuel talks about this. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Folks, that's what we're going to be doing the next six weeks. We're going to be taking a look at what God has made in you, who you really are. We're going to be helping you in this series move you into confidence. Like, like the Apostle Paul that said this, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And that is what we're moving towards so that you can have confidence, so that you can have courage to serve in the church, to be an instrument in God's hand in the community. Because God like, wants you to say like Paul, I am what I am by the grace of God. I am an original and I am a masterpiece. And thank you very much. Let's go for it. Let's pray. Lord, you're awesome. I just thank you, God, that you are a God who has thought all of it through. You have dotted the I's and you have crossed the T's. You have filled in the blanks. 
you being the God of wisdom, the God who knows the end from the beginning, knew who we would be and what we would be like. And God, you even knew that when we came into this world, those bad choices that we would make. And you mixed all those things together for your glory, for our good. God, I thank you for that. I don't know where you're at in your journey with Christ. Maybe you've just had thoughts of him, and that's better than having no thoughts. But God wants to get your attention. He wants you to be more, he wants to be more than just a thought in your mind. He wants to be living in you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to know that you're forgiven. He wants you to know that you have a place in heaven. He wants you to be confident and secure in that. And if you haven't said yes to Jesus Christ this morning, I beg you, it's where it starts. You can't be fully alive until you have the Holy Spirit living in you by just saying yes to Jesus Christ. And will you do that this morning if you haven't? Just say something like this, God, I admit, I've blown it. But I believe you sent your son who lived the perfect life to die on the cross for my sins. That he resurrected from the life to, to prove to me that what he said I can take to the bank. And so right now, God, I'm saying yes to Jesus Christ. Thank you for the forgiveness that I have in you. Thank you, God that you saved me. Thank you, God, that you knew about the mistakes that I would make and that you're even gonna use those experiences, God, for your glory, my good, and for the good of other people. If you prayed that prayer, would you let me know? Take that communication card that's in front of you and just write your name, email address, check the appropriate box in the back, throw it in the offering plate as it goes by, and I will email you and mail you some information that'll help you understand what you've just done. God, you're awesome. God, I thank you that as we walk through this world, we can walk in confidence because we know that you knew about us and that you formed us and you shaped us just the way we are and it puts a smile on your face. God, help us to live for the audience of one person. In Christ's name we pray, amen.